doctors don't have a clear understanding of it. It started opening up my mind to like, how does the human body work? This is a real thing that really affects people. This is a major pain. Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and this week we'll be speaking with Mac about her undiagnosed illness. Mac has recently started down the path of trying to piece together her variety of symptoms, including chronic pain, chronic fatigue, mental health challenges, and thyroid issues. There's evidence that she may have an autoimmune disease, but as you'll hear, her doctors feel that she might need to get worse in order to actually diagnose her with something, which is such an incredibly frustrating place to be. As someone with an undiagnosed health condition, I'm always curious to talk to someone like Mac and get a sense of other people's experiences navigating the medical system. And Mac is in a really interesting place because she just started searching for a diagnosis recently. So although her chronic pain journey and her health journey has been going on for a long time, the search for a diagnosis is new. We talked a bit about imposter syndrome in this episode. I think this is something a lot of us can relate to, this idea that on a good day, it's hard to remember what a bad day feels like. And you find yourself wondering, do I need to go to this doctor's visit? Do I need to seek care? Because today I feel good. But then another bad pain day will come around and all of a sudden you're back to where you were before. You need that doctor's visit. And that feeling of not being sure, that feeling that you might be an imposter dealing with chronic pain is maddening. I've definitely experienced some of this myself. And I was really excited to talk to someone else about it. I had so much fun during this conversation. Mac is super cool, super fun to talk to. She has such a great perspective, and I'm really excited to share this one with you. Before we get to that, we have some news to share this week. I have some really exciting things to share with you. So much is happening behind the scenes of the podcast. Our community is growing. I am hearing from people. We have new patrons. We have new gifts for our patrons, which is something I'm really excited to tell you about. But let's start with some feedback from last week's episode. This is a comment on the website from Karen. I was amazed at how Stacy handled her physical and mental challenges with little to no help from doctors. It sounds like she's in a better place now, which is great to hear. I know the medical establishment can be difficult to navigate. I also enjoy hearing about your new wheelchair, Jesse. Thanks for bringing these episodes to those of us who have medical disabilities and, of course, to the rest of the population who do not. Thank you so much, Karen, for leaving that comment. Uh, Karen left a couple of great comments on several episodes, and I was so excited to read all of them. And Karen also signed up on Patreon this week. Uh, she joined the supporter tier, and I'm so grateful for Karen's support of this show. Thank you so much. We actually have a second new patron this week. Uh, a friend of Andy and I named Sonny, who's an absolutely fantastic person, signed up at the middle tier, the patron tier. Um, Sonny's such a fun person to be around. She's one of Andy's old friends, and I've had the pleasure of hanging out with her a couple of times. And Andy was just telling me uh, when she caught up with Sonny a couple days ago, she's like, hey, Sonny's been listening to the podcast and told me she really enjoyed it. And I was so happy to hear that. And then I was even more excited later that day when I saw that Sonny had signed up on Patreon. When I first launched the Patreon campaign, I mentioned that I don't feel like I'm up to creating bonus content right now, just because it's taking a lot of effort for me to get the regular show out, and I don't want to stretch myself too thin. And my mom heard that, and she got to thinking about how she could create something to give as a gift to our patrons. And she brought this idea to me, and I absolutely loved it. And we've been working on it for a month or two at this point, and we've come up with a couple of really great gifts. So we are adding one-time gifts to our middle and top tier patrons. So for our producer tier, which is $25 a month, 
we have beautiful major pain tote bags. So my mom ordered some tote bags from Eco Bags made of organic cotton, and she had our logo printed on this really nice fabric and stitched it all together. And these bags look incredible. They're nice and big, they fit a ton of stuff, great for groceries, and the eco bags that she used are really nice, really high quality bags, so I'm, I'm so proud of how they came out. And for our patron tier, which is $7 per month, my mom has created cloth coasters with the Major Pain logo printed on them. The logos are printed on water-resistant fabric, and my mom has stitched a fabric backing with absorbing material in the middle, and they work really great as coasters. I've been using one, and I love it. We actually ran some tests to make sure that these coasters work, and I'm very happy to say that even with an iced beverage, they will protect a table, which is so exciting. They are cloth, so if you just pour water on them, that will leak through eventually, but using them uh, for normal use for a coaster, I'm very excited to say that they work fantastic. So when you sign up at the $7 patron tier, you will receive a coaster. And when you sign up at the $25 producer tier, you'll receive both a coaster and a tote bag. I'm really excited to have one-time gifts to start off our relationship when you sign up on Patreon. I'm hoping to build long-term relationships, and I'm hoping to build a sustainable source of income for myself as someone with a mystery illness unable to work. And I just love that this is happening. I'm so excited that people have already signed up, and, and I hope that these one-time gifts get more people excited to sign up to support the show. I've added pictures of the coasters and the tote bags to our Patreon campaign. You can find that at patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast. So to anyone who's already signed up on Patreon, I will be reaching out to grab your address if you're interested in receiving a gift for our patron and producer tiers. And extra, extra special thanks to my mom who made this possible. She went through several iterations of designs and different things that we could make until we settled on the coasters and the tote bags. And I love how they came out. I'm really excited to start mailing these off. And even though we don't have any gifts for our $2 a month supporters, I just want to reiterate how much I appreciate you. Um, Karen Brixner, our brand new $2 a month supporter, and Jacob Finkel, our very first $2 a month supporter. I really appreciate you both. Um, you know, I, I understand how having any extra resources to donate to a podcast is not something that even shows up on a lot of people's radar. And even just $2 a month is such a great help. And I really appreciate that. So Patreon has two options for collecting payment when you sign up to support the podcast. And I've chosen the option where we don't charge anyone until the first of the month. So what that means is that if you sign up on Patreon on, say, the 12th of the month, your card won't be charged until the first of the next month. So at the beginning of each month, we will send out gifts to everyone who has signed up during the month prior. So if you were to sign up right now, which is the 11th of August, you would not receive your gift until after we send it off in the beginning of September. The other payment option that Patreon offers is to have people pay when they sign up, which means that if you were to sign up at the producer tier at the end of one month, let's say on the 30th, 30th of the month, you'd be charged a full $25 when you signed up, and then you'd actually be charged again just a couple of days later on the first of the month. And I didn't want to take the chance of that happening. I didn't want to make it complicated as far as people having to be aware of where we are in the month when you sign up. So I just want to keep it simple and charge everyone on the first of the month. So if you sign up on Patreon right after the first of the month, I hope you won't mind waiting until the next month's billing cycle for me to mail out your gift. 
But I won't wait to shout you out on the podcast because I'm just so excited every time I get an email that we have a new patron. So Sonny and Karen, thank you so much for joining the Patreon campaign. And as always, thank you to our Patreon producer, Steve Cavanaugh, for helping to make this show possible. I'm still amazed that we even have a producer this early on in our Patreon campaign. So Steve, thank you so much. We got two new ratings and one new review on Apple Podcasts this week. We are up to 19 ratings and we are now at a 4.8. We got a brand new five-star rating and our very first one-star rating. Mustang Man took a listen to one episode and was very unimpressed. And I have to tell you, as a content creator, it's actually a really good sign when you start seeing negative responses to your work. (laughs) And I know that sounds weird, but that means that people are seeing the show. People are finding the show. You can never please everyone with anything. And if you're only getting positive feedback, that means that you're reaching a limited audience. So once you start to reach people that don't like the show, that means you're reaching more people. And that's actually a good sign, as weird as it sounds. You know, my, my old podcast never got a bad rating because people weren't finding it. So this is a good sign. This means that something that I'm doing to get the show out there is working. People are discovering it. And it's totally fine if not everyone loves the show. I mean, this show is made for the people who need it and want it. And, you know, this guy didn't like it. And that's fine. So, <laughs> so I was weirdly excited to see that we are now at a 4.8 on Apple Podcasts. But if you love this show and you want to help keep that number high, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a positive rating and review. Whoever it was that gave us our new five-star rating, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. As I'm recording this introduction, I've already recorded the next two podcasts. And I'm excited to tell you that next week we'll be speaking with Chris Fowler, who is actually a pain researcher and behavioral psychologist. So he's going to be able to talk to us a little bit about the nature of pain itself. What is chronic pain versus short-term acute pain? What research is being done around this? What therapies are out there. What does the future of pain, chronic pain therapy look like? It was so interesting. We actually talked for almost three hours. So I'm still trying to decide if I'm going to try to release this all at once or split it up into two episodes. If you have a feeling about that, please reach out, let me know. Um, You know, I'm just thinking about this audience and thinking about how a lot of us are spoonies. A lot of us don't have that much energy. And I don't know if I want to ask you to listen to a three-hour episode at once or if it would make more sense to split it in half. These types of things really stick in my brain and I have a really hard time making those decisions. So if you have a feeling on that, send me an email, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us on TikTok or Instagram at majorpainpodcast or our brand new Twitter at majorpainpod. We have so much great stuff coming up on this show. I'm just really excited about where this is going. I'm having so much fun talking to all of you about your health challenges and just feeling so much less alone in my own journey. It's just wonderful. I love it. So thank you so much for being here. And with that, we're going to jump into our fantastic conversation with Mac about her undiagnosed illness. Mac, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you today. This is this is a treat for me. We've been following each other on TikTok for a little bit, and we were just talking about how weird it is to actually talk in person where the other person can speak back to you. <laughs> yeah, it's so crazy. And to see your face while you're talking right here live, it's... Um... It's so cool. I love how these connections happen through TikTok. I know. I'm really excited. You, uh, you made a post where you shared the something that I had shared that was so touching. I was so excited to to see that. It's like right when I started the major pain TikTok, 
Um, I really appreciate the support. And I just thought you looked like a really cool person who'd be fun to talk to. So, you know, <laughs> this is kind of selfish on my part. I'm like, will you come on the show? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an honor. And uh, once you get to know me, I'm not, I'm not that cool. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> uh, so, Mac, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, my name is Mackenzie or Mac, pronouns she, her, hers. And I like to tell people, especially when they can't see me um, live, you're just hearing my voice. I am a Mexican-American woman, a queer Mexican-American woman of Tongva descent. And I am coming to you from Brooklyn, New York, which is the land of the Lenape people, which I always want to make sure that we honor. Wow, that's awesome. So you are, <laughs> So you're both Mexican and indigenous? Yes. Wow, that's yes. very cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I grew up in San Diego, and I think about this now because, you know, I, I had no idea who the indigenous people were that right. that we were occupying their land, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I've been really glad to see that there's a, a push for more knowledge in that mm -hmm. realm recently. Um, yeah, I mean... It's just, I mean, this is a whole conversation. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's like a whole nother podcast, right? I know, totally. <laughs> but, but that's crazy. I was born in San Diego. So. Oh, you were? No way. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Um, awesome. So tell us more about yourself. What are, you, what are you into? What do you do for fun? What do you do for, uh, for not fun? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, I am... A musical theater performer at heart. I'm an actor, singer, dancer. I dabble in guitar and piano a little bit, um, kind of self-taught guitarist over here. And I majored in musical theater, came to New York to pursue musical theater. And um, along the way, in the past couple of years, found myself working in ministry, which is very wow. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So right now, um, it's for fun and I guess for not fun. It's it's my job. I It definitely is more fun than not fun, though. Um, I'm a technically a co-pastor at a church here in Brooklyn. Wow. How did that come about? I found a church. I was seeking a church myself um, and found Forefront Brooklyn. I can, I can name it. Um, and I, I stumbled in there just by myself as a congregant and in that service i also they were talking about lgbtqia inclusion which i had mm. never heard in that's a church so before awesome that's so important yeah yeah very very moving experience for me i came out to myself in that service wow um very impactful moment in my life and just got plugged in started volunteering and somehow eight months later i was on staff so <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome i love that story yeah. And yeah. what about musical theater? What's your, uh, have you been in a favorite show or like what sort of style oh, do you gosh. gravitate towards? Yeah, no, I love musical theater. Um, all styles, but probably lean more towards contemporary shows like In the Heights or Hamilton, mm. um, which are probably more well-known names right now. <laughs> yeah, and sure. yeah, favorite show that I've been in, that's really hard. Probably Rock of Ages. I don't okay. know if you've heard. I've yeah, seen that I one. In... Yeah, I saw it at, yeah. um, here in Seattle. I had a bunch of friends that were in it. Oh, nice. I played Regina. Um, awesome. <laughs> yeah, in, in California, actually, uh, right out of college. That was that was a really cool experience. I had to wear a blonde wig. It was really funny. Awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> My favorite show is Into the Woods. I just love oh. that show. 
That's a really good one. Yeah. yeah. I've done a little bit of musical theater when I was in like elementary school. I was Model the Tailor and Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> yes. I was in Fiddler twice growing oh, nice. up. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I, I love that show too, but I've never been in Into the Woods. But if I were, I'd want to be the baker. <laughs> of course. Of course. Yes. Yeah. I did Into the Woods and I was like, 12 or something <laughs> oh wow awesome yeah. yeah i think i was about that age when i was in fiddler on the roof <laughs> <laughs> definitely definitely a fun experience anyway yeah um awesome well now that we know you a little bit mac tell us what is your major pain undiagnosed major pain as i'm sure many people have said before to you yeah. but um <laughs> myself included Yes, but to to list what I can name, um, major depressive disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, um, chronic pain, chronic fatigue, irregular menstrual cycles, and what my doctor is calling subclinical hypothyroidism. Hmm. I have no so, idea what that is. Yeah, we can talk about it. <laughs> yeah, tell, I'm so curious. What is subclinical hypothyroidism? I can't believe I even said that out loud. Yeah, you <laughs> just said try. it. There <laughs> we go. go. I'm reading it off of my <laughs> patient portal. So, <laughs> but yeah, we're she's calling it subclinical hypothyroidism. So there's hypothyroidism and hyperthyroidism, mm. which I did not understand until a couple months ago. Yeah, and. If I remember correctly, <laughs> hypo means that I have an underactive thyroid, mm. which makes sense because hyper would be overactive thyroid. Um, but it's not at the, my levels aren't high enough for the CDC's designation of calling it hypothyroidism or, mm. you know, getting into those further diagnoses of Hashimoto's or Graves disease and, and stuff like that. She my doctor literally can't diagnose me with it until it gets worse. So yeah. um, I, I fought for, I mean, I have a great doctor. I, I love her, which is very, very lucky. Um, he is so lucky. But I kind of had to fight for her to put it on my record um, so that it's that we're watching for hypothyroidism, essentially. Yeah, this is such a frustrating thing. It's like when, some, when something is a little off, uh, and you can pinpoint it, but it's still sort of in that green zone of the test results um, where it's like, well, this is off from my body. But according to the CDC, it's not, you know, off enough. Off enough. Yeah. <laughs> to, to sometimes even to treat or to um, classify or qualify. You know, it's so frustrating because it's like, well, if my numbers are trending in this direction, you know, why can't we classify it? It's like close enough. And these mm -hmm. these numbers according to the CDC, are a range, and they range from person to person. So I just wish there was a little more, you know, just flexibility and understanding and in interpreting test results. So this is something that's happened to me a lot that I am very frustrated by. Right. Yeah. I've, I mean, and I've heard your story through the podcast and, and whatnot. And yeah, it seems like a very common trend. And the most frustrating part, or part of one of the many frustrating things I should say is that the doctors, at least here in the U.S., are following numbers based on the sick people. So if you're not as sick in terms of the numbers, you're still being, you know, matched against those versus healthy people. Right. So that range is, is not even, uh, uh, you know, 
how, how, where are you beginning? Where are you basing it off of? Right. And this whole idea of like, I mean, you have to get worse in order to be diagnosed. This is something that I worry about all the time. It's like, how bad do I have to get before they're finally uh-huh. going to figure it out? I mean, a very different set of circumstances for me, but um, yeah, it's just, all of it's just so frustrating. I mean, we're going <laughs> to dive into it, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. So tell me about your symptom picture. And I know that you experience fluctuations as we, a lot of us do as far as, mm-hmm. you know, some good days and bad days. But tell me about the bad days. Like, what is the extreme of what happens to you inside of this? Yeah, so... Um, the bad days, I am in so much pain and it's not just in my joints or just in my muscles. It's, it's all over mm-hmm. radiating pain. And, um, to the point that if my girlfriend even very gently puts her hand on my back, I want to cry <laughs> and I recoil. I, I always feel so bad when I laugh at people saying <laughs> bad things, but like, this is a constant thing. Like, Andy and I have had to talk about this so much because like she'll reach a hand over to touch me and I'll like wince in pain and she gets really <laughs> upset because it doesn't yeah. feel good to like touch your partner and have them recoil in horror. <laughs> yeah, but, no one wants that, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. But I, I do, I experience that all the time. I totally know what you're talking about. Yeah, and it's just the worst. And then it makes you want to cry even more because you're like, no, I do love you. And I want, I would love that physical affection, but it just, it hurts. Yeah. And I can't explain why or yeah. where because it's everywhere. Yeah, totally, um, totally. So that's definitely part of it. And and to the point that a lot of times I, I can't or don't want to make the effort to get out of bed. Um, and it's always coupled with chronic fatigue, uh, take long naps in the middle of the day. Um, And a big symptom on my really bad days that is part of why I even started to discover all of this and look into it is my ankles and my wrists would just swell. Wow. Like just blow up like a balloon out of nowhere. And I couldn't, it was never related to, oh, I worked out or I didn't work out or I was standing too much or I was sitting too much. Like none of that was consistent with when these bad days would happen. Hmm. And I have very, like very skinny ankles and very skinny wrists. Like that's always been a joke in my family is like how <laughs> like frail my wrists are or whatever. And they would blow up like a balloon out of nowhere. Interesting. I've and, never heard of that before. Yeah. It sounds kind of scary. Apparently neither has my doctor. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so those are, those are some of the, the symptoms on my really bad days. Um, and yeah, that's probably the, the best way that I can describe it for you. Yeah, totally. And I mean, it's so, it's so tricky with, uh, you mentioned some anxiety and depression. It just makes everything so hard because I'm sure you've, I, well, I'll ask, have you experienced this when you talk to doctors, you know, you say, Hey, I have some emotional health um, symptoms as well. In my experience, they always try to blame all of the pain symptoms on the emotional symptoms and say, well, if you, this depression is causing your pain, when in my experience, it's been the other way around where it's like, oh, wow, I'm in so much pain. It's really hard to be in a good mood. So has, has that sort of thing happened for you? Yeah. It's funny. I was, I was thinking about that. Um, You know, it's kind of like what came first, the chicken or the egg. It's like, I don't know if my depression is making me physically sick or if my physical sickness is making me depressed, but either way, they're both here. Right. Um, Totally. And I've wrestled with definitely with anxiety since I was a kid. 
I've always had really bad anxiety that's that got really, really bad in college and kind of has stayed constant since then with panic attacks and anxiety attacks, like all of it. Um, and I've been in therapy for the past few years. And after a couple years of therapy, I, I finally decided to get on medication um, for my depression and my anxiety, which helped a lot. But when I got on medication and my other ailments didn't go away, like I didn't feel as depressed, but I was still chronically fatigued. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, that was one of those those moments of like, maybe I should get this checked out. Hmm. So I, I don't, I, they definitely make each other worse. I'm sure of it. Um, and I am more depressed on the days that I'm having like very low spoons, but um I, I have had anxiety forever, so I don't know that one is causing the other necessarily. Totally. Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, it, like you said, you know, they're both happening. It doesn't matter what causes the other. Right. It's just thinking about doctors and like putting up barriers to getting care. That's a huge one. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm so glad to hear that you're in therapy and that you've been, uh, pursuing that as well because i you know i'm in therapy also it's just so helpful to and important to make sure that you're tending to the emotional health side because for me i had this like chip on my shoulder for years of like well i'm not gonna you know like i'm not gonna do these things because i know that's not the cause of my pain you know sure and i would like go through evaluations where i would have therapist confirmed that and say no this is not the cause of his pain keep looking for a diagnosis but it kept being like you know doctors trying to get me out of their office and into a therapist's office to try to um i just felt like kind of they didn't want to deal with me you know and they were looking right. for any excuse to not have to keep working with me to find a diagnosis and i feel like a lot of doctors use any sort of mental health challenge as an excuse to stop helping people yeah and and while i don't think i i do like i i told you earlier i have a really good doctor that i love and yeah. I trust and I feel is advocating for me. But even with well-meaning, caring doctors, uh, at a certain point, she's, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, but she's exhausted all of her mm -hmm. testing that she can do. And now I'm on to the stages of, of seeing specialists. But within that, that moment of getting those blood results back and being like, well, I don't, now I can't, I don't know how to diagnose you. She even said, you know, it is possible that it's just your depression and anxiety manifesting itself in physical ailments. Yeah. And then there was a pause and it was like, okay, even if that's so, I have these physical ailments and I need to figure out what that is or how to, how to, I don't know. I don't want to say fix it necessarily, but diagnose it and, and figure out some kind of care plan. Yeah. Um, and she was like, okay, yeah, you're right. Maybe it's fibromyalgia. And I'm like, okay, maybe it is, but like <laughs> classic. Right. So yeah, it's so frustrating. And I don't think doctors understand how harmful it feels to be told that, you know, I, I've had so many doctors tell me that and it never got easier. Uh, and I, I'm so lucky also that I now have a really supportive primary care doctor who is the best I've ever had. He's just so supportive and he always listens and he always advocates and fights for me. And it's just yeah, been such great. a help. But it took 10 years to get there, you know, of going through like hardcore diagnostics, not to mention, you know, my whole young adulthood and childhood where I wasn't pursuing a diagnosis because I just thought that it was like a severe mold allergy. Wow. But, 
Yeah. So when yeah. did when did these issues start for you? I mean, you mentioned anxiety throughout childhood, but what about the uh, the chronic pain and the exhaustion and all of that sort of stuff? Yeah. So it's so interesting because this question. I knew you were going to ask me this and I was trying to figure out what am I going to say, right? Because I have a couple different answers. I didn't acknowledge it enough for it. For, I, ha- I didn't accept in for myself that this was happening until a few months ago. Wow. And so this is a very new, I'm very new on this journey and I even... I've had two imposter syndrome moments. I'm going to go on a tangent for a second, but sure. hopefully I love tangents. won't get me <laughs> lost in what your original question was. But um, when you messaged me, I had this moment uh, initially to invite me on the podcast. I didn't respond to you for a couple days on purpose <laughs> <laughs> because the day that I got it, I was having a really good day and mm. I felt totally fine no symptoms at all. And that doesn't happen very often, but it, it made, when I have those days, I'm like, I'm not sick enough to consider myself chronically ill. I don't, mm. I can't be on this podcast. <laughs> and then, you know, a couple days later, I could barely get out of bed and I messaged you back. Yeah. And so I'm, <laughs> it, 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 and then I had another moment yesterday. I had a happen to have a really good day. Yeah. And I was like, I can't be on this podcast tomorrow. And then I woke up and my girlfriend rubbed my back and I was crying because it hurt so bad. And so I, it makes me wonder how long has this been happening before I acknowledged that it was happening Mm -hmm. because of denial. Um, But what I can track back is I've always been in a lot of pain since I was in preschool, probably wow. is as far back as I can remember to the point that my parents got me tested for juvenile arthritis and uh, I came back negative or inconclusive or something. And as far as I know, and I've talked to my mom about it since, like, I don't think we ever tested for anything else or really looked into it. It was kind of just brushed off as, well, she has growing pains mm-hmm. and a low pain tolerance. Mm-hmm. But then as, as I went through, I I was a dancer. I am a dancer. I've been a dancer since I was in elementary school. And that was like my main focus before I went into musical theater. Um, And so as an athlete, you're always in pain because you're pushing through so many different injuries and stretching your body in so many ways that it's unnatural and, and you're doing it for the love of the sport or the love of the art or whatever. And so I was always sore and always in pain but everyone was because my my peers were dancers. And even through college, um, I had a moment where I actually broke my spine in dance class. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, junior year in a ballet class. I didn't do anything dramatic. No one. It's not like I got dropped or fell or anything. I just something. I just stretched myself too far, I guess. And my spine snapped. Oh, my God. That is not. Normal. <laughs> Not normal. And also, I didn't know. I didn't go to the doctor for like two days. What What did it feel like? It, I was, I don't know. I thought maybe, maybe like a tendon or ligament snapped or something, or maybe I just threw my back out is what I thought, whatever that meant. Like, I didn't really know what that 
meant, but I was like, <laughs> I don't know. It just kind of, I didn't cry. Yeah. I just sort of like, I was going to do a pirouette and I just sort of spiraled down to the ground and was like, I think I need to sit out of class. Something's off. Did and then you, I find out that I broke my back. <laughs> did you have problems moving your legs or anything after that? No, luckily it didn't touch any nerves. It just, it just literally went, <laughs> and it didn't move either way. Yeah. Mac is miming and, like two fingers yeah. pulling apart. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I forgot that this is a podcast for a second. Yeah, That's, <laughs> that's the boop. <laughs> that's the boop that you just heard. Yeah. Uh, but apparently I had fractured that bone four times wow. without realizing it before it broke all the way through. And it was like, wait, a, it was this moment for me of, I actually have a really high pain tolerance. Yeah. <laughs> if I didn't know that I broke my back. And so then thinking of that moment, looking back, it's like, no, I was just always in pain and people thought that I was like a crybaby. Right. But I was actually hurting. Right. But being an athlete and being a dancer, everyone was hurting. So I never was able to really sit with myself in that pain. And so it wasn't until a couple years ago where um, I came out as queer in 2019. And that was like a really emotional time in my life. It was very uh, challenging in a lot of ways, especially on my mental health. And there were a lot of moments of, I need to sit with myself and actually think about who am I and what am I feeling and what am I going through and slow down in a way that I never really have. I've always been very, go, 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 do a million things in a day so I can't be alone with my thoughts kind of a person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and through that, I started to get more and more chronically fatigued that I was noticing. And I thought it was just depression. Oh, I'm just depressed. I'm just depressed. I'm just depressed. And then when the pandemic hit, it everything completely changed. And I couldn't dance anymore because I've, everything was closed. Sure. And I couldn't audition. I couldn't do my art, which was keeping me physically active, physically fit. And then I was still sore all the time. And so through the past year and a half is really when things got more noticeable for me because I couldn't blame my pain on my sport or on my, my art on dance because I wasn't dancing. Yeah. And also like lack of regular movement, you know, like if you're not able to dance all the time, as much as movement hurts and as much as like physical activity can be super painful for people with chronic pain, there's an aspect of it that, that I think is also really helpful to kind of mm -hmm. keep, keep things at, at bay in a way. Right. If you can and keep, keep it in balance. Loose. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was like, okay, maybe I'm in pain now because I'm sitting all the time. Let me try mm. to do some yoga okay, now I'm really sore. Maybe I did yoga too much. Okay. And it kept going back and forth. <laughs> yeah, It's just, an, it's maddening when you can't. It's a maddening yeah, spiral. And through all of that time, I gained a ton of weight and I didn't change my diet. Yeah. I wasn't working out as much, but it was like more than the COVID-19 weight gain. Like hmm. it was really intense and really fast. And then it all spiraled and led up to getting new insurance with my job and getting to see a good doctor and having just a general physical 
and taking blood work and looking at that blood work and just, it just gushed out. She was like, I think I'm noticing some levels in your thyroid and some inflammation and this, that, all these different things in the blood work. And I just gushed out all these other symptoms. And she was like, Mm. oh, okay, we need to talk about this. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I relate to so much of what you're saying and this whole idea of, you know, none of us can ever experience the world from someone else's body. So, we don't know what being in a quote unquote normal body feels like. Right. And we, we only have our own bodies to go off of. And if you've been in pain your whole life to some degree or another, you know, how are you supposed to know that that's not normal? You can't. And we right. kind of rely on our doctors to kind of fill in these, some of these gaps for us. But yeah, I mean, the imposter syndrome thing is also a huge, uh, a huge thing to contend with as far as knowing when to advocate for yourself, if you should advocate for yourself, or even how to do that when you decide to. All, all these things are really complicated. And I, you know, this is going a little ways back, but I do want to reply to you, to the imposter syndrome thing and say, you're 100% the, a perfect person to talk to for this podcast. Like, your experience <laughs> is exactly the type of experience that I want to share with other people because so many of us are going through stuff like this alone and are so um, stuck because doctors aren't helping and are, or aren't willing to advocate for us or aren't willing to take us seriously. And, you know, I feel like the more voices we can share who experience that, the better. And, and heck yeah, you have some good days. That's great. I'm so glad to hear that. That <laughs> d- does not yeah. mean that you don't have bad days. And this is something that I've also dealt with is like on a good day, I feel crazy. I'm like, my body's working great today. So did the bad day, was that in my imagination? Did I make that up? Or because uh-huh. it's so hard to remember what a bad day feels like on a good day. It's, I, this is a hard thing to describe for people who haven't experienced it, but right. on a good day, it just feels like, wow, this is how I feel forever now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then you hope that is, you yeah, know? Yeah, totally. But, you know, it, it doesn't last. Then you have more bad days and then you're like, okay, this is how I'm going to feel forever. It's just like be in pain forever. It's hard to, to learn how to ride the ups and the downs with a sort of impassive, um, like, sort of uh, curiosity, I guess. And yeah sort of documenting your own state without internally commenting on it or mm. judging yourself for it. All of these things take years to figure out. Right. And, you know, even though you're at the beginning of your diagnostic journey, your spoony journey has been going on, it sounds like, for pretty much your whole life. So, yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, I relate to what you're saying. I, I feel like you are absolutely um, going through something, you know, like on the days where it feels like you're not, um, I have those days too. And I have a friggin' wheelchair. So I know, <laughs> but I yeah. have those days too. You know, it's just, yeah. part, I think it's just part of the, the commonality of experience of not knowing what's wrong with you, but knowing that something is wrong. It's, mm-hmm. it's just so complicated. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I definitely, I mean, I absolutely feel that from, from just talking to you for even just this short time. I mean, you know, you are, you are one of us. I can tell. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I'm also, I'm very non-exclusive, like at all. Like I, I don't like to compare severity of different, you know, major pains against each other. I don't feel like that's fair at all. I feel like if someone feels like they have a chronic health issue, that's enough for me. You know, Mm. I, I'm not, 
because I've been judged so many times for mine. I'm never going to judge someone else for theirs. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about the, uh, the hypothyroidism? Cause I don't know much about this. Like what, um, what is the thyroid regulating incorrectly in your body? I don't really know is, is part of the issue. Yeah. I'm still learning about it. I, and to be honest, after too many Google searches, it's like, why am I even Googling anymore? Like this is not helping <laughs> me yeah. or my mental health. For but sure. from, from what I understand, it's just hypothyroidism. Well, your thyroid just controls and any doctors who might be listening are going to laugh at like my lack of <laughs> medical or correctness terminology, whatever. But, um, you know, your thyroid controls your hormones, your, you know, your metabolism. There, there are so many things that it influences. And so uh, hypothyroidism is an underactive thyroid. So like, I don't know if that means that I, my uh, metabolism isn't moving as fast. We thought that it could be a sign of, um, you know, I was, I was um, tested for PCOS especially with the irregular menses and, and other things. She was like, maybe that this could be a sign leading towards PCOS. Um, but I don't, I don't really know beyond that what it entails. Yeah. And hopefully you'll find out soon when yeah. they figure out what's going on. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Are there any theories? I mean, I've, I've heard on some of your TikToks that they think there might be an autoimmune disorder that is yet to be diagnosed. Yes. Yeah. So, and that's another thing that hypo or hyperthyroidism could lead to or direct you to is a diagnosis of Hashimoto's or Graves disease. Mm -hmm. um, and those are autoimmune disorders. I, again, I don't really know the details of what they are. And the more that I do my own research, I'm, I'm, I might have Hashimoto's, but I, it's like I probably have multiple diagnoses and don't, don't they always go together? So it's like, how do I separate them to identify the different things? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I just, they think that it's probably some kind of an autoimmune disorder and that's kind of all I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like you said, you're still sort of at the beginning of beginning. this, of this segment of the journey, you know, going yes. to see all the specialists and. Yeah. yeah, that that part is really hard. I mean, I'm still in that as well. And the whole thing of like, go to see someone, they run some tests, they don't find anything, and then they send you to the next person. It's right. really tough. Like, that's yeah. just so emotionally draining. Has that, how, how has that been for you so far? I mean, like you just said, emotionally draining for sure. I so far have only seen my PCP and a radiologist. And the radiologist mm. appointment was pretty scary for a number of reasons, but very emotionally draining just in that it was like my first specialist referral. So like, mm. here we go kind of a thing, yeah. like buckle up. <laughs> um, but it's, it was also kind of like, all right, didn't find anything too bad or too irregular. So I don't know. And so that, that part of it has been frustrating um, and also has, has then led my doctor to refer me to see a rheumatologist and endocrinologist, a new OBGYN, and of course a therapist, cause I need to find a new one actually. But, um, that's also been really frustrating because it, 
is impossible to get an appointment. And <laughs> I've been, yep, you know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I've been trying to get an appointment with the rheumatologist for over a month now. I've been calling different rheumatologists around New York City and I'm in New York City. So like it, there's hospitals everywhere and I have pretty decent insurance, which I'm very lucky for. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I can't get on anyone's schedule. So I, I finally got an appointment in September, beginning of September. And they just called me yesterday to move it even later in September. So yeah. I, I'm on hold yeah. and hoping that the rheumatologist, especially with the chronic pain, can guide me elsewhere. Um yeah, it's super frustrating and it takes a really long time. And yeah, absolutely. It's so hard. I mean, like when your next appointment is two months away and your life is like, well, I, I don't know what to do with my life because I don't know what's going on with my body. It's just right. so frustrating. Like I, yeah. that, that feeling never gets easier. If anything, it's just over time, it just gets more and more frustrating. It's really hard to find peace inside of all of this and to focus on anything in your day-to-day -day life. So, how, has, how have you managed to um, get anything done inside of this or to have any sort of coping mechanisms or creative outlets or um, emotional outlets? How, how has that manifested for you? Yeah, um, I feel very fortunate that while I'm going through this, I'm in probably the best living environment I've ever been in, which is very helpful. Um, I live with my girlfriend and we just got a dog. Aww. So it's, yeah. So my home environment is very relaxing and enjoyable uh, the majority of the time. So that, that in and of itself is really helpful because I can take a nap if I need to, or, work, you know, or play with a dog or, you know, go outside or go on a walk with my girlfriend. And, and those are really helpful um, outlets. And in addition to that, my job is almost entirely remote. And it was even before the pandemic. So I only go in person to work on Sundays. And otherwise, I'm working right here from my home office. And I'm able to also mostly make my own hours. And so that has really helped me in being able to still get my work done and, and maintain a job. Um, because if I do need to take a nap or take a whole day off or go to see a doctor or whatever, as long as I get my work done when it needs, you know, by the time that it needs to get done, mm -hmm. no one cares if I'm doing it at 8 a.m. or at midnight. And that's so important. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I haven't been able to hold down regular hours in like five years. Yeah. And when I was doing it before that, it was so hard, like getting up and getting to work on time was a daily, you know, battle. <laughs> uh, yeah. I can't even imagine. I mean, just doing it on Sundays is, is so hard Yeah, and I do it, but then I need to take a two hour nap when I get home. Yeah. So, totally. so that's hard, but then, creative outlets as well. I recently picked up painting and drawing. I'm not great at it, but I really enjoy it. And it's nice as an, as an artist, a professional artist myself, it's really nice to have an art form that is just for fun, yeah. <laughs> not to, to be sold or to, you know, be hired or whatever. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I've been painting. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, tell me a little bit about when you are doing theater, 
how does your body react to that? Because that's something where like you have to hit your mark, you have to, you know, be at a certain place at a certain time mm-hmm. and you can't have any excuses in that moment. I know it can be a very um demanding cut- and unforgiving it's uh, cutthroat. <laughs> per- yeah, <laughs> occupation. So, yes. yeah, tell me about that. Yeah, so it's interesting because this chronic pain really took over when I had to stop pursuing my craft. Mm. And so I, I'm really nervous about returning to yeah. it because I don't know how my current body and my current state will handle it. But before I just really powered through, like, I don't, I don't know how I did it. Looking back, I don't know how I just kept going. You just work through it. You just, I don't know if it's just, it's probably the adrenaline, honestly, because I love it so much that the adrenaline of getting to do it overrides any fatigue or pain, um, which is not healthy, but that's, that's how it was, if I'm being honest. Um, And it it is crazy to think about too, because on the jobs that I have had, I've been the dance captain before I've been a swing on the show. And so I not only was doing my, my, my part, my track, but I was also running around helping other people do their tracks or cleaning up or learning their tracks or (laughs) running a rehearsal on a break in another room. So like, I, I don't know how I did it. I really don't. (laughs) Yeah. And if I'm correct, a swing is when you have to learn multiple parts in case someone is, is missing or out or something you can just fill in. Right. Yes. It's basically like the ensembles understudy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you can learn, I think up to like 17 tracks or something crazy like that, which is ridiculous. But I, I did it on a tour where it was just a five person show. And so I knew my track as well as um, everyone else's. So yeah, it's a very thankless job. (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's so interesting. So I, how has this been emotionally to sort of open up the diagnostic process? Because it sounds like you sort of contained a lot of this um, and kept it sort of hidden, even from yourself for a lot of your life. What's it been like to open this up? Has this, I'm I'm assuming that there's been a big emotional toll, but have you felt maybe um, more in touch with yourself in this process at all? Yeah, it's, it's been really, really interesting. It's, I feel like I've, as a dancer, I've always been very in touch with my body, but this is the most in touch with with my body that I've ever been. Mm. And it's, you know, especially on the really bad days, it's really heartbreaking because it's like my instrument is betraying me. Yeah. Um, You know, it's not just my body is betraying me, but my body is my instrument and my art form and my job it was my job and so when that it feels like it's shutting down I, I it's it's really been yes it's physically challenging but it's more emotionally and mentally challenging because it's forcing me to address and think about if my identity can no longer be a dancer what what am I what is my worth mm-hmm. because for the longest time that was my worth that was everything was performing and it's it 
it also falls in line with kind of a theme of my of my life the past few years with coming out, with starting to work at a church as a gay woman, with all of these weird circumstances that have come into my life and that I've leaned in to the unknown of it all, um, where I've started to really find myself and sometimes finding yourself and finding the, the answers to those things are not what you expected or ever wanted, but here you are. And it's like, what do you do with that? And so um, I'm definitely more in touch with myself than I've ever been, but that is sometimes a great thing and sometimes a really scary thing. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I totally hear you. Like I, I'm not, I haven't played a show as a musician in five years and that was, what do you play? Uh, I play a lot. I play, um, synthesizer drums bass guitar oh that's awesome um and i sing yeah and i i used to like i used to be in a glam punk band and i had actually just started a band playing my sci-fi synth pop music right before my health flared up we played one show we played at my sister's wedding and it was so special um and we had another like our first show scheduled an actual venue but that was like three or four months after my flare-up started. And mm-hmm. I was just like every day, like, please let me get some of this functionality back and be able to stand long enough and sing so that I can play this show. And, right. you know, it didn't happen. And since then, the drummer actually moved away. So that band, you know, can't get back together. But it's wow. been, also been five years, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, like I still make a little bit of music really slowly. And there's a piece of that that is at the core of who I am as a person. And yeah. to not be able to do it is so troubling. But equally troubling is to try to do it on a day where I'm not up to it and not be able to. And like you said, like my instrument, my body is betraying me. Because like as a musician, mm-hmm. you need your hands. I need my my voice, my vocal cords. Like, you know, I've been having issues in my throat and in my hands and all all the whole rest of my body. So like, yeah, it's, you know, some, some things like uh, being a performer, um, a musician or a, an actor, they're very physical. And when you don't have access to your physicality, it can be just real, you know, prohibitively painful or difficult um, and just depressing. Like it's just so depressing to try to play drums because i have these electronic drums set up in my apartment some days i can play but other days like trying to play is really painful and it hurts like neurologically you know where i can just kind of feel that my um just trying to move my foot or my hands is hurting my brain Mm -hmm. um like my brain the connections are not firing off correctly and i just can't quite get it to go and and it just makes me really really upset so i've yeah i've learned to not um you know, this sounds bad, but I've learned to not try as hard with the music. I've learned to focus my energies onto creative outlets that physically feel easier. Um, right. You know, this podcast being one of them, and then my my Star Trek TikToks, <laughs> where I'm Amazing. green screening myself into Star Trek The Next Generation. And like yesterday, I had a horrible day where I was just in so much pain and so tired all day. And really, really struggling to get out of bed and do anything. And I still made this Star Trek TikTok yesterday. And at the end of the day, I couldn't even believe it. Like, I did it start to finish. I watched an episode, pinpointed a moment that I wanted to put myself in, asked Andy for help putting a crazy outfit together to make the joke work. (laughs) Um, You know, 
set up my i have i live in an apartment where like my lights are all set up all the time and i have you know a green screen that folds up and down so um you know it's really easy to set up i've just made it as easy as possible and then i only had to perform for a couple of minutes and then it's like a 40 second long video so i'm able to edit it and get it all done and even in the midst of like so much pain and so much exhaustion, I still made this thing happen because I had set myself up to do an easy thing. And for me, there's no easy way to make music uh, as far as like recording is concerned. Like sometimes I'll just play guitar or whatever. And um, even that can be really painful. And I just really try not to dwell on what I've lost or what Mm -hmm. I can't access and just focus on what I can do and just kind of set myself up for success and trick myself into doing things that are fun. And it totally. works it's really well. <laughs> totally tricking yourself. And that just reminds me, I, I was thinking, you know, before when I was talking last about how, you know, in a lot of ways, not being able to dance because of my body betraying me, it's like my worst nightmare come true in mm. that. And I'm remembering when I broke my spine in college, I thought, my career would be over. And uh, in that time, when I was in my back brace in college for musical theater, I still found a way to choreograph um, and to teach other dancers uh, a piece that I was working on prior to, prior to getting injured. And I learned a new way to teach. I couldn't physically show them. So I had to use my words and I had, I could use my arms, but that's about it. Mm. And I still managed to get the piece to, to what I wanted it to be and, and communicate the, the art form. And I forget to acknowledge that moment of finding another way around yeah, it. Totally. Because I, at the, for that injury, I, healed in like half the time of what the doctors thought I would. And it was like this miraculous healing. And I thought, you know, I was like, wow, this is the second chance at life basically for me. And I, I will never take dance for granted again. And now here we are, but it's not just a two and a half month break. It's, this is my life now. Mm -hmm. So like that is my worst nightmare. And also I need to remember those other ways to still, express my creativity and find my way around the the challenges. Absolutely. Well said. I mean, that, you know, I'm I'm still learning more and more about the world of accessibility, but the thing that I've learned uh, that I very firmly believe now very quickly is that when you find a different way to do something, it can be just as satisfying and just, and bring just as much joy to your life as the thing that you thought you wanted. So, mm-hmm. you know, like this new wheelchair that I have is so amazing. And I went for this really long roll all around Capitol Hill the other day in Seattle. That's so awesome. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was so great. I mean, that's why I, that was two days ago. And that's why I felt so bad yesterday because I, I used up too much energy. I don't know my right. limits yet. Um, yes. But it was mm-hmm. like the longest journey that I had been on um, under my own power in years. Um mm. You know, as far as like, I used to bike all over the city or be able to w- take my dog miles on walks um, and just being out on the street and just feeling connected to the city is something that I really love. And being able to do that again, I, I still love it just as much. And yeah. in some ways it means more now because it's been so long since I've been able to do it yeah. because I didn't think to try, you know, a- an accessible way. 
So mm-hmm. I, I didn't even, I didn't even know that that was possible or, you know, know that that was an option. So yeah, I mean, applying your creativity to your own life and thinking of new options, being adaptable right. can bring so much joy and facing your worst nightmares can be so doable if you are approaching it in a creative way and forgiving of yourself and, you know, just learning to live with not having the thing that you wanted and find right. other things that you want. Because mm-hmm. we all want so many things, you know, like I, I really wanted to be a touring musician. And if I can't have that, there's so many other things that I can have. So right. focusing on what I can't have doesn't do me any good. But totally, yeah, making progress in some other way is always going to be helpful. Uh, just a little bit of progress, no matter what it is, can be so helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what was uh, this? Is a sort of side question, but what was your recovery like from when you broke your back? This is I'm really interested in this because it's <laughs> you know you you mentioned having this like almost miraculous recovery. Yeah. What what was the recovery for that? So. As I was saying with the sound effect, the boop earlier of the, <laughs> the, the my bone splitting, um, they anticipated me needing to be in a series of back braces that would take six months to a year to heal. And it wasn't something that I could get surgery for. It, uh, it's basically putting your body in a cast because you can't really wrap it any other way than the back brace. And so... I went through physical therapy and I was just basically waiting for the bone to heal back together. But the miraculous part is that for whatever reason, my body decided to mutate cartilage. And instead of healing back bone to bone, there's this like fourth of an inch of cartilage that, that appeared Weird. to bind the bone back together. Wow. I, I grew half an in- a quarter of an inch, which is so funny. I'm still that's, that's under amazing. five two, but <laughs> incredible. <laughs> yeah, and it. I was in my third back brace and able to go back to dance class after two and a half months of physical therapy because of this mutated cartilage. Wow, <laughs> crazy! Wow, that's that's yeah. incredible. Your really, body's, really wild. Your body's doing stuff, you know? We don't know what it is, but it's doing it. Right. <laughs> for the and better and for the worse. <laughs> right. And apparently that is a very common reaction for athletes who mm. fracture the same bone over and over again. Eventually your body learns that you're crazy and you're not going to stop doing that thing that you're doing that's hurting you. And so it um, often will mutate cartilage in places that you wow. continue to break. Interesting. Yeah, I mean... Human bodies are such a mystery in some ways, but they are, yeah. if they are one thing, they are adaptable and they are mm-hmm. always trying to heal and trying yes. to, you know, make things work. And sometimes mm-hmm. it just doesn't go right. And sometimes it goes miraculously right. And it's, yeah, it's, it's frustrating, but it's <laughs> happening. <laughs> yeah, totally. So how has your um, chronic health issues affected your relationships with your friends and family? Um, you know, I, I feel very fortunate that it hasn't really negatively affected things at this point. Um, I think it more so affects me and how I'm so afraid that I'm going to be like a burden Hmm. on people. Um, but my girlfriend is amazing and never, ever makes me feel bad for, for my ailments. Obviously 
a good person shouldn't, but it can be stressful and straining on a relationship and we live together. So like, if I just can't do things, she has to watch me not do things, you know, and that, that can be frustrating, but she, she never gets upset with me and is very, very helpful and kind. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And with my family's in California, so we don't, I, you know, I'm not really there, especially in the pandemic. So I, I don't really know that it's affecting them so much other than I know they're worried about me. Um, and, you know, just hoping that I find a diagnosis. But aside from that, I, they're not seeing the day-to-day pain and fatigue. And I don't necessarily tell them every time either, you know, mm, I'm 20 yeah. years old. So I'm not going to like always say, you know, mommy, I'm, I'm sick. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and then with work, I think is where it's the most interesting to navigate for me because I want them to know to a degree, but I also don't want anyone to think of me as like weak or incapable of my job. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that's been the hardest, I would say, because I don't think my friends and and my partner, like it's not really affecting anything negatively. And again, I think the pandemic in a way is helping me because not as many people are expecting uh, gatherings to happen. So like, if I can't go to something, it's fine because nothing's going on. Um, but yeah, work is the hardest to navigate. Totally. I, I Yeah, it's scary because you, you want your employer to know that you might need a little leeway, but you uh-huh. also don't want to get fired. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then I also work in ministry. And so it's like, a, for my faith, I would like them to pray for me. Mm. But they also see me in this position where they are to rely on me. It's a really, I mean, working in ministry in general is interesting to navigate those relationships because it does cross some beyond coworker relationships. It's really interesting, but just in general, you know, those are my friends too. And I'm like, I want you to know, but I don't want you to like, then not come to me for things. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough thing to balance in all aspects of life is, you know, having weakness, but not wanting to be thought of as weak, Um, both like the way you think of yourself and the way other people think of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, you know, obviously I deal with this as well. And like sometimes I want people to know ahead of time what my weaknesses might be. Like, I want all my friends to know, like, if you, if you're in a moldy room, don't ask me to come over because I'm going to (laughs) react really poorly to it, you know? And it's, you know, I, I, I've had a couple of moments where people didn't know that I was going to be in a wheelchair before seeing me and hadn't seen me in a long time. Cause you know, we're just now seeing people again right. um, after, you know, getting vaccinated. Although now things are closing back again with uh, the Delta variant right. and people are returning to masking. And, you know, I very much support being cautious and I've, you know, re- returning to masking in a lot of situations, even though I was really loving having a naked face. Um, you know, it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, it's much mm-hmm. better to be safe in my opinion. Yes. Um, but yeah, like seeing, seeing the way people react to you when your weakness is obvious is really can be really difficult. It can be really demeaning. Um, but on the other hand, sometimes you want to 
want people to know so that you can avoid those scenarios, you know, so yes. that the expectation can be adjusted a little bit. It's really, it's really difficult to navigate, especially when you don't have an answer, when you can't say, oh, this is because of my, you know, whatever it is, um, right. lupus, let's say. Right. Um, and yeah. yeah, and I've gone to a point where in some situations where it would be beneficial for people to know that I'm have chronic pain or whatever it is, I just started telling people I have fibromyalgia. Yeah. And I don't know that that's necessarily true, but my doctor mentioned it might be that. And it's a name that more, you know, in mainstream conversations, people might at least recognize sure. the name. So in when I don't want to like go into detail, but just explain, I can't do that right now. Sometimes I'll just say that. Totally. Um, and then in other settings, like you're saying, it's not the same of course, is having uh, an aid like a wheelchair. Uh, but through the pandemic, I gained a ton of weight as I'm sure a, a result of the hypothyroidism. And so people who saw me, who haven't seen me in that time, it's it's like really uncomfortable to like mm. have them look at me and be like, oh, you like obvious, it's visible, it's, it's noticeable. Um, and even with like my closest friends, that was something to navigate when I saw them recently of like explaining all of this other stuff that's going on and like not wanting to be fat phobic against myself. Mm. But also I know that I don't like it's I'm swollen, like something is is swelling in my body and I want to tell my friends about that. It's like a really interesting thing to navigate. And my best yeah. friend's getting married. And so I need to get a bridesmaid's dress. And I'm like, oh, geez, Louise. Like, <laughs> I don't know yeah. what I'm going to look like next year. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really difficult to navigate because there's so many, you know, social expectations. They're so unfair, right. you know, yes. like we should meet people where they're at and be happy to see them. <laughs> right. Right. And um, I live in yeah. New York City. So taking the subway there's not a ton of accessible stations. So I have mm. to be going up and down the stairs and on the pavement all the time. So there, there are just certain limitations that I have now that I didn't pre pandemic that are interesting to try and relearn in a way. Sure. Yeah, totally. That all sounds really complicated. I'm sorry. You're having to navigate that. I mean, when you're not in full control over what your body's doing, it's so hard to let go of your own expectations of yourself. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, like I can't jog anymore. And that was, you know, something that I used to do all the time or ride bikes. Right. And um, I have started to gain a little bit of weight and I am struggling to feel confident and compassionate towards myself and mm -hmm. accepting of myself in whatever form my body is taking that day. It's right. really tough because, you know, we've been trained to think that if we're not our thinnest, then there's something wrong and that right. we are less than. And it's so unfair because, like, you know, with thyroid conditions, there is like weight gain and weight loss that is okay. sort of uncontrollable in a, in a way. And it's very un unfair and un unreasonable to hold someone to a standard that their body is sort of throwing out the window in that mm -hmm. moment and those things are going to fluctuate so yeah, yeah just like meeting people where they are in that day is so important yeah and being compassionate with yourself that idea that phrase that you just said really hits home and for me it's it's 
not even about wanting to be thin anymore. It, I mean, that pressure was definitely real in the dance world growing up and, and, and in theater in general, but it's, I miss feeling strong. Mm. I miss feeling like I could just, just walking around the city, I felt physically capable and strong. And that is a certain power and like identity that I held for myself. I identified as like a strong, short girl or whatever. Like that was part of how I identified and described myself. And so to no longer feel strong and then that, feeling weakness, like you're talking about being physically weak, but not wanting people to see you as weak. It, all of that combined, I think really messes with like, how do I now describe myself? Mm, Yeah. Yeah. When you're, uh, when your body is changing, it's so hard to know what your physical identity is. Mm -hmm. And it, I, I mean, on top of like having a health condition that you don't have a name for, you know, like anyone who's ever gone through this knows how how massive it is to be able to name it and to not have that name is so disturbing because all of this is wrapped up in identity and trying to understand yourself i mean the better you know yourself the better you know yourself and the more confident you feel in yourself the happier you tend to be so right to have these things put in your way these massive roadblocks that make those things really difficult if not impossible for reasons that you have no control over is so hard to navigate it's so hard to keep yourself uh focused and centered and self-confident in those moments right yeah so on your bad days on a really bad pain day what do you do to get yourself through it oh gosh um i Sometimes we'll take Epsom salt baths. Um, I'll try and either just work from a laying down position or from a more comfortable area. um, If I can even work on those days, to be honest, but I, I was trying CBD for a while, yeah. and I hope I can say this. Online. Yeah, for sure. We talk about it a, about a lot on this show. Okay, <laughs> I was going to say I think you've talked about this. Yeah, but um, I was trying CBD for a while, and that that definitely does help, especially on my like medium pain days. Um, but yeah, so recently I switched from. It, really, it was just like a dropper of mostly CBD with a little bit of THC. And, and recently I switched to more THC than CBD. And that has been like the only thing hmm. that is helping my pain go away. Yeah, same. And, you know, I have nothing against weed or anything like that. Um, but I I definitely don't want to be reliant on it. But right now, it's if it's the only thing that's that's helping me not be crippled over in pain then at a certain point then it's like yeah i'm just that's what i have to do right now Um, totally i think about this every day because i (laughs) i need pain support almost every day and cannabis products are the only thing that i have that works i mean i've tried some you know like tramadol which is a synthetic opioid that used to help me a ton and now it just doesn't work and i don't know why yeah but i I just don't really use that anymore. I've tried, you know, like other prescription 
pain pills and there's a huge risk of um, addiction with those. So I really try to, you know, use that in very slim moderation. Um, But I do need something almost every day and cannabis is the only thing that I have. And I'm trying, you know, different things all the time. I I don't want to be reliant on a drug and I don't want to be high all the time you know right but like pure CBD doesn't work for me so I need a little bit of THC in there and I'm always looking to find like um a body high without a head high you know that's yes that's exactly what I'm trying to find right now yeah (laughs) yeah for me like a one-to-one ratio of THC to CBD in like a tincture form um can work really well or in edible form or even mm-hmm. vaped or smoked, but you know, I've been having throat issues, so I'm trying not to vape or smoke anything, but, right. but it's so, it's so unreliable, even though it is the only thing that works. Like some days right. it works differently than other days. And the science mm-hmm. just isn't there to support using it medicinally in a way that is a hundred percent reliable. So you kind of just right. have to use yourself as a Guinea pig and try things. Mm-hmm. And I keep hearing from people, myself included, that it's the only thing that's working. And it's just so upsetting that, you know, because of federal regulations, we can't learn more about how to make it work better. So we just right. kind of have to keep trying things. And the other side to this is like giving yourself permission to do it because it still feels, in a way, it feels like you're doing something wrong, even though it's the right. only thing we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can be really frustrating. But yeah. I'm, you know, I'm glad that you have things that help. I feel like your your overall outlook seems very grateful and positive, which is amazing, you know. Um but you don't seem like a negative person to me at all. You seem like a very positive person. It, it sounds like you have some amazing love in your life and you have um the support of your community, which is fantastic and you have a job that you care about that gives you a sense of belonging and meaning and all of these things are so important to keeping a positive outlook and to keeping yourself going so from where i'm sitting it seems like you're doing everything right you know and i (laughs) i just think about where you're headed and i just you know i've got my fingers crossed for you and for for me and for maya and for you know uh anyone else that we will talk to who is um, dealing with any mystery in their diagnosis that you will find it, that you will get that answer. And if you do, you got to let me know. Cause I want to, you know, so <laughs> oh, yeah. I've been thinking about having like, maybe at the end of the first year of the podcast, I would love to do something where I kind of catch up with people really briefly and say, Hey, oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. How are you doing? Did you find a diagnosis? How, what's going on? I, I think that'd be really fun. Like end of season one thing to do. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so definitely like keep me keep me in the loop. Um, oh, but yeah, I, yeah, I definitely will. Awesome. So my last question for you is, you know, I, I often ask people like if you could talk to someone going through someone something similar, what would you tell them? But with you, I feel like your situation is unique in that you've been going through this for most of your life, but you didn't acknowledge it to yourself for a really mm-hmm. long time. So if you could go back and tell yourself what you're going through now and give yourself a sort of like hint from the future. If we could time travel you back, what point in your life would you go to if you could do that? Or would you do that at all? And what would you say to yourself? Oh gosh, what a good question. I I have two answers to this. I think on one hand, I would go back to like those preschool days and not even necessarily talk to myself, but talk to my parents Mm. or the doctor and just 
advocate for that because I don't think any of them did anything wrong. I don't blame them for anything, of course. Yeah. But I think at, you know, three, four years old, you don't know how to really explain your pain other than it hurts. Sure. It's still tough at 36 for me. I still don't know how to describe my pain. Exactly. And so I think on one hand, I would go back to that time and just sort of see if if that would help at all. Oh, gosh. I, okay, I have three answers. Yeah. <laughs> my second answer is I, I didn't even talk about this part of my history, but at 14 years old, I um, discovered a benign tumor mm. in my breast that I got removed and I would go back to that point in my life because I was 14. So at that point, I could describe things. And I would probably tell myself to look into those things more, aside from just getting it removed, like ask more questions mm. about what that could be leading to. I don't know if it's related, but I can only wonder. Yeah. But then other than that, I think I would go back to just in the past year or two and that was when the flare-ups I think really were getting bad like yes I've had pain my whole life but I think still just in the past year and a half it's gotten really really bad and more obvious and I would try and see a doctor sooner Hmm. or just talk to somebody about it sooner yeah because I just thought it was crazy or dramatic or whatever because those good days make you feel like your bad days are made up. And right. so I, I would, that, that, I think that of the three, that would be my, my main priority. If I could go back would be to just encourage myself to see a doctor sooner. But even then, if I can, if I can say, I know I've gone on like a couple of tangents within this answer, but at the time that the flare ups really started, I didn't have good health insurance. And it was in the middle of like the height of the pandemic in New York <laughs> City. So I couldn't even see a doctor if I wanted to. And the ones that were available to me probably wouldn't listen to me anyway. And so it, in that regard, if there's anyone listening or going through something similar, I, I, all I can really say is I feel for you and I hope you can get better insurance because yeah. – my job at my church is the only reason why I have good insurance. And I asked for insurance. I had to, it wasn't initially part of my contract. And I'm so glad that I asked because it's the only reason why I'm even able to see these doctors right now. Yeah. Oh man, it's so important. I'm, I'm really lucky here in Seattle. We have a program called Apple health or Apple care. I think Apple health is what it's called. And it's uh free insurance for people who are making very little money. So, um, yeah. So I got on this program and it's great. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. They've the provider I'm using now. I've, I've been on Apple care twice now. The first time I used Molina as my provider and this time I'm using, um, United healthcare and they, Oh yeah. They haven't rejected a single thing that I've asked for. Like all all the tests. It's incredible. Because before this, I was on Andy's insurance because we were when we were living together, um, we were on uh, we had a domestic partnership, so I was able to get on her insurance, mm-hmm. and they said no to like everything, you know. Really? Yeah. Well, not everything, but a couple of things. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Like three things, but it felt like <laughs> a lot, you know. Um, I mean, even one thing when you're on this. this oh yeah. 
diagnostic journey is important. So yeah, like when you need a test and they won't authorize it, you can't get it. So right. Um, yeah, my current insurance has been doing really well for me, which has really shocked me because it is you know a city sponsored program. So yeah, if you're here in Seattle, check it out. I highly, <laughs> I highly recommend it. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Yeah, and yeah, now shout I, out to United Healthcare, I guess. Yeah, because <laughs> thanks, United Healthcare. Um, <laughs> Not yeah. sponsored, but yeah. maybe yeah. should be. <laughs> yeah, you're, we really appreciate it. And now, like the sci-fi nerd in me wants to make a movie where you have someone with like a degenerative disease going back in time, trying to clue their doctors in earlier on in their life. <laughs> that's that would be it's amazing. Great. It's like Back to the Future, but the stakes are your own health. Oh my god, this is great. Let's make this movie. Back to the Future Spoonie Edition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Um, wow. This has been an amazing conversation. You did such a great job, Mac. I really appreciate your time. Thank I'm you. so glad to finally get to talk to you. I can confirm that you're super cool now that we've spoken <laughs> for a little bit. Thank you so much. I just feel like I'm a big nerd, but you That's know, what I maybe like. that is cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm I'm a big nerd. I'm the biggest nerd. There is. I'm green screening myself into every episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. So I don't know if it gets nerdier than that. Um, But yeah, would you like to plug anything, your TikTok or any other um, creative stuff or uh, anything in your ministry that you want to point people towards? Feel free. We got no limitations. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. On Instagram and TikTok, I'm at babygotmac. So it's baby (laughs) underscore. Got underscore Mac spelled M A K with so the double underscore. Really good. Um, that was kind of on a dare, and I've kept it ever since having that handle. Um, <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> yeah, and I yeah I am very proud to say that I work at Forefront Church in Brooklyn, New York, and we have a virtual congregation as well as in person. And um, yeah, I really love being on the pastoral team there and would love to chat if anyone is looking for a queer friendly anti-racist church i am all about it so so important because like those things don't have to be exclusionary you know right and i'm so glad that that things are moving in that direction because Mm -hmm. having some you know i'm not a religious person but it's i do i'm very spiritual and i feel like it's very important to have some sort of uh sense of something bigger than yourself, especially going through these sort of challenges. Like thinking back to an earlier episode with um, Kenny, where we talked about um, alcoholism and drug addiction, who's talking about, you know, um, a big part of going through the AA process is recognizing a higher power and kind of getting out of your own self a little bit and recognizing what's bigger than you. And, um, you know, for me, like this, this is so nerdy, but for me, Star Trek has done that for me where I think about myself awesome. as part of this like global community and think about what other life is out there in the universe and how, you know, we need to protect ourselves and each other and be kind to ourselves and to each other. Um, but I also have spoken, um, not on the podcast so far, but I have spoken to someone who's very religious, who is in chronic pain, um, who talks about the power of prayer and how helpful that's been for them. And, you know, uh, I just really, I, anything that's working for anyone, I just really support. So yeah, I'm so no, glad I'm that, you, you that I'm so glad you <laughs> shared that because if there's anyone listening who is looking for that outlet or that resource, um, say it for us again so they can know where to go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's Forefront Church. So forefrontnyc.com. And 
my again, my name is Mac or Mackenzie Gomez. If you look me up, and I'd be happy to chat with anyone. My work email is Mackenzie at forefrontnyc.com. Awesome. So. Yeah. So generous of you to share. If someone is wanting to recommend things for you on your health journey, this is something that some the people have widely different opinions on. <laughs> I know that it can either be like, oh, yeah, let's crowdsource some ideas. Or it can be, please don't give me your ideas because you know, I'm on my journey and I'm, I want to control it from where I'm at. And yeah. there's no right or wrong answer to this. But where do you stand on that spectrum? Sure. Um, I mean, I'm, I, right now, I'm always open to it. And like happy to have you slide into my DMs on TikTok or Instagram <laughs> if if you are hopefully are genuine. If you're listening to this podcast, I would assume that you're a genuine person trying to help. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, unsolicited advice always happens on on TikTok and everywhere. So it's like, you know, I, I'll take it all with a grain of salt. But since, especially since I'm so new on this journey, I'm happy to hear any kind of guidance or experience that anyone wants to share that yeah. might overlap with what I'm dealing with. Awesome. Yeah. Unsolicited advice is, and criticism are almost indistinguishable, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's so hard. <laughs> totally. Well, yeah. I had so much fun talking to you. I'm so glad Likewise. to make this face-to-face, -face, even if it's digital connection. <laughs> um, I really appreciate your time. You did such an awesome job. I can't wait to share this. So, Mac, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast. Artwork by Egg Salad Salad. Our theme music is the song Time Machine from my sci-fi synth-pop album, available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com. Major Pain is supported by listeners on Patreon. Thank you to our $2 per month supporters, our $7 per month patrons, Naomi Adele Smith and Sonny Roberts, and our $25 per month producer, Steve Cavanaugh. Learn how you can support the show while receiving special recognition and gifts at patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast.